friends, Master here, bringing you episode 532 of Maestro on the Mic. What you're about to listen to or watch, if you're on the YouTubes, is what I'm calling a double-dipped episode. I linked it with my guy, Dr. Danny Matei, uh, with the intent of doing a catch-up episode on his podcast, but being the besties that we are, I wound up asking him pretty much just as many questions as he asked me. So we decided to just share the episode on both of our podcasts, and that's what you're about to to enjoy. Danny's expertise lies in helping physical therapists and movement professionals to build and scale performance-based cash-based, or I should say performance cash-based clinics, whereas my expertise obviously lies in helping health and fitness pros build profitable online personal brands. In the episode, we talk about the crossover between the two, where each of our respective industries is at. Does it make sense for people to be crossing over? Where we see the industries going and so much more. Y'all know I love Danny. I've brought him on a bunch of times. And this was basically a super dope catch-up episode. It was an awesome episode. And I hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, hey, DJ, give me that heartbeat. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get Maestro by. Three, two, one. What's going on? Doc Danny here with the PT Entrepreneur Podcast, and I'm here with probably one of my favorite people, not just in the profession, but I would say in the United States of America, for sure. I don't know many people outside of it. So, <laughs> so Shantae Cofield, the movement maestro, aka uh, also the host of uh, Maestro on the Mic, which is a great podcast, and you also have a fantastic Friday newsletter. You're, you're, uh, it's not Friday. You're, what day does yours come out? Whenever I write it, but it's usually weekly. It's a I'm weekly. Not as, I'm, yeah, I'm not as consistent of the same day as you, but it is weekly. I just said Friday because that's when mine is. But it's a yeah. it's a fantastic newsletter packed with all kinds of great information. So if you're not on her her newsletter, definitely go sign up for that. Head over uh, to, uh, to to get signed up and get all the latest business information that you're sharing. And I like your stories. You do a good job of uh, of storytelling, which I think obviously is a great way to market. But also it's enjoyable. You know, you don't feel like fun. you're learning something. You know, but yeah. it's but. I feel like you're retaining it in a much better way. Storytelling is hard though. Like, do you feel it like, is. do you feel it like you're, as a kid, you were naturally telling a bunch of stories or did you, did you read a book one day and were like, oh, storytelling is helpful. And then you started to lean into it. I think it's just the way that, well, one, thank you for like the kindest words ever. And the feeling is very mutual. Danny and I just talked for like, I don't know, an hour before we started this. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, maybe, I you, guess we should do the podcast now. We should have recorded it. You're <laughs> it right. I just don't, uh, yeah. I, People would like, listen. Yeah. They probably would have listened. They probably would have listened. Probably well, it's not nonsense talk. They would listen. I mean, we could just go, we could just talk about nothing again for another like people uh, won't listen. Hour. Okay. This is this is what people are at, right? I think that I think that people we're in the information age. I think that people are getting information from everywhere, from a zillion sources at once. And largely people are saying the same thing. And it's just like finding someone that you like how they say it and they're saying it at the right time and they, you know, you resonate with them for whatever reason, a zillion reasons outside of actually what they're actually saying. And to that end, especially if, if you have a shared audience and they've heard things before, it's just like, 
people want to hear about the human and the person. And I know that ties in the question you just asked about storytelling. Like, I think, it, I think it's like the talk. I was telling you earlier, you know, like I have four, three siblings. I am the oldest and my, yes, my next closest is eight years younger. So for a very long time, I was an only child. And I think that honestly, Danny, I just had to like entertain myself. And so I just like talk a lot. Mm. And so it comes out as whether it's story or whether it's just how I want to share this point. I think it was a product of, you know, just inherent a gift, but also like I am entertaining myself and just talking. And That's interesting practice. because like you, you have elements of a, you know, like single child, right? So just only child because you're, you, you were until you're eight mm-hmm. yeah. then, but then they caught up pretty substantially. You know, you got three siblings in, in a, like, what's the, what's the age difference with them? So there's two that are really close and then to each other. And then there's a third one that's, that's farther. So Justin is eight years younger, Cecilia is 10 years younger, and then Daniel is 18 years younger. So there's a big spread. Yeah. Oh yeah. I went to college and carried him in, in like the, I don't know what the thing is called. It's not a bassinet, but like the little like carrier. And definitely people were like, is that your child or because oh. this big ass age difference there? That's huge. Well, you know, my, uh, Ashley, you know, it's my wife's mom had her older brother. I think she was 18. She might've just been 19 and she had both of them in the same calendar year. So oh, Ryan, wow. I know the, the Irish twins, I believe they call it. Hopefully, yeah. I don't know if that's a canceled wow. term. I don't know if I could say that. I want to say the wrong thing, but I, that's I what I've, okay. that's what I've heard it as. Exactly. Although, that's what I've heard. As the other day, I was like, I, I saw my kids and I was like, oh, you guys, they're like acting like they were kind of cheesy little guys like you guys playing cow- cowboys and indians and my kids were like whoa whoa you canceled dad dad they're like you can't say that i go it's they go it's cowboys and native americans i go that doesn't sound the same it's just like it's harder to say yeah. but i agree it is yeah. sure <laughs> and and they're like well you don't want people being confused that they think it's indian India. people chasing cowboys around and i go in what world would <laughs> indians from the country of india <laughs> chase cowboys around in this american southwest like impossible like doesn't make any sense and they were like you know what you're right. It doesn't, but you can't say it. But you can't so, say it anyway, dad. Yeah. But anyway, but they super young. I mean, she was 18, 19 years old. Yeah, they yeah. had, I think three of them before she was 20. Can you imagine? Three no, Danny. Danny, I'm 38. I have no kids. No, I can't imagine being th- having three before I'm 20. But no. people thought that you were, your, you know, sibling was yours. Yeah. Cause it could have happened. Know. It could have been it Ashley's mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm like no way. No, now, way, no way. That's cool. So you went, so you got all right, some alone time for eight years, but then you had to be, you're like uh, you know, helping raise them. You're you're Dad. you're you're part of you're wiping butts, I'm assuming, right? Changing you know, diapers. I'm trying to remember if I like how many of the di- diaper changing. All I remember is an overwhelming feeling of like I don't want kids. Not because they didn't like them, but like I saw very early the responsibility that was required. Like I never huh. I wasn't like an eight-year-old or a seven-year-old that was like, I can't wait to like be a mom and have kids. That was never there anyway. But then yeah. definitely for the rest of my you know, life, I saw the responsibility that was required. And I, I've always known, you know, we've talked about before of like a lifestyle business. I've always known that there, that's like some, that was that feeling there that I want something like that. And I was like, that's going to be real hard with all of the responsibility that I see is required. Now, you know, I'm 18 and I see how much is going into this. I'm like, no, this is not, yeah. it's not for me. That's interesting. Okay. You know, because I have I have friends who come from like bigger families with a big gap like that, and it was the opposite, right? They they experienced and they're like, oh man, I feel like you know this is like what I need to do. And but I I agree, like kids are a lot. You know, not only not only is it a lot of time, and I mean it's it's a lot of just 
mental bandwidth as well. You're constantly worried about the shit that they're either doing or not doing, or maybe they're not doing enough of, or not doing well enough, or maybe, you know, they're just, yes. there's just all these things that really probably don't matter that you think about. And because you're not, well, yeah, exactly. But the other thing is, it's not like they give you training on this shit. Whenever you have a baby, it's amazing. It, no. it is the craziest thing to me. I think about when we had Jack and they just let you go home with, with this, a living thing, living being. It's not a, it's not a puppy. No. You know, it's not no. a uh, person, human, yeah. <laughs> no a human. and you know, you can really mess somebody up if this. you, I'm not talking physically, I'm talking mentally, like this. think about how many people, like I know lots of people and they've got a lot of mental, they, they have a lot of baggage they carry around because of their upbringing. I Typically like it's their family. Yeah. Or yeah. family dynamic. It's like a lot of their problems, right? That. I feel a lot of pressure with that. Like I, like, how do you raise high achieving kind people that are well-rounded, well, that's, you know, this kind of that being kind, being well-adjusted like that. Also, Jane, I think you nailed it with like, you also like, to me, one of the things was you could do quote, everything quote unquote, right. And yeah. things still don't work out. Like there's just not that that's like the main reason I don't want to have kids, but just thinking about all of this. And I do like certainty. I do like predictability with things. And I was like, that mm. is too much. I think that you also another point I've been thinking about this is a little bit of a tangent, but kind of same, same. I've been thinking about uh, the mental load of decision-making right? and how, what I do in my business. And I look at what Lex does and just like what people do in their businesses and, and how that takes a toll. And I was looking at my strength finders thing the other day, my results. And just part of what I do in business is I help people make decisions and I really enjoy it. And I'm really good at prioritizing things. I mean, like, don't worry about that. Let's is what we're going to focus on, whether it's like purely for a launch and we're talking about the components that matter or we're trying to organize things because I'm like that organizing their week. And I'm like, you're losing so much time. You're task switching like we need to get this, this tightened up. But the mental load that goes in the mental energy that, that is used by making in making decisions is just for me tremendous. So like I mm. if something if I'm working on something and then someone asks me a question that's something else, I actually get frustrated by it because I'm like, I don't have the mental bandwidth to make a decision about that like that. I'll deal with that on Wednesday because that's Wednesday's task. But when you think about that as a parent, I'm like, you have to do it all the time. And yeah. I'm not sure if people like give themselves the grace with that. And they're like trying to run a business and all this stuff. And I'm like, of course you're tired and you can't, you know what to post and you don't know how to, you know, what to do for this. Cause like you literally made decisions for yourself and these other living beings all day. Like that is yeah. just so much. Yeah. Much. And it's, so much. I, I am very similar to you where I'm, good with one thing at a time. Except as soon as I try to like the multitask or whatever, like if I, or, or sometimes like in passing, Ashley may say something to me like, Oh, Hey, don't forget about this. I either immediately have to do it or I have to write it down with like many reminders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Otherwise yes. it's happen. literally, it's like my, my brain yes. is just like not wired correctly or something. Cause like, I have to, I can't just like compartmentalize that thing. And she, and I'm, I don't know how she does it. She's way better at that than me. She's, she, she must, I don't know, like her, like, you know, computers she's RAM is like running. It's amazing. It's Super just powers. so crazy. And, 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 and although I do think it's exhausting too, to have that sort of like constant level, like she, I think she, yes. she, it, I think she stresses about things a lot more than I do. And if you, I, I believe that somebody needs to, you know, maybe you can share that, but there's usually one person that's a little mm -hmm. bit more 
stressed about yep. like I, i'll focus on other things that maybe she doesn't really care about but when it comes to like family stuff she carries a lot of that sort of like bandwidth you know that burden totally. uh, with her right so i get i mean like decision fatigue is a real thing and so, so real. especially for like what you're doing at a high level like the ability to function at a high level and we were talking about my friend that sells that sells wine and like how I went over his house and I got like really drunk for the first time in a long time. And I felt terrible the next day. And I was so inefficient. Whoop, thought like, you were dead. But I like, yeah, exactly. I was dying. But I, I like prioritize uh, efficiency because I value it so much. Right. And I mean, I can think yes. for you, it's the same thing. So like same. you take all these other things out of your life, then all of a sudden you have a lot more clarity and you have a lot less, uh, you know, decisions to make. And that, that, that means that you probably make better decisions overall with the things that are important to you. That. Absolutely. So it's like, you know, the trade-off of use energy to prioritize the thing, then like, I do think that priority is singular. I think that's people struggle with that because they try to have priorities and then they're like, but this, but this, but this, and I'm like, mm -hmm. then nothing gets done. So it needs to be this. And, you know, there is that ability to compartmentalize in, in that, like, I, like you said, like, I will not even worry about that thing. Like I'll write it down. I'll definitely circle it. If it's not on the calendar, it probably won't happen. So like, I have to put it on there, but I will not worry about those slides for Wednesdays, freaking presentation until Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, yeah. depending on what the topic is. Cause I'm like, all right, it's fine either way. I cannot have this like constant level of like, Oh, what about that? What about that? And I watch people do that and like watch it take a toll on them. And they're just always stressed out. And they're always feeling like they haven't accomplished anything because their list of things to do is 50,000 things long. There's no yeah. order. And they're like, but I kind of did this thing. And then I kind of did this. And then I like fronted that email. And then I like went and did this thing. And then I like tried to post, but it took too long. And I'm like, let's tighten it up. Let's tighten well, it up. And let's talk about that for a second. I think this this is a real problem for anybody that yeah. has a business is understanding how to manage their week. And some of this has to do with how you prioritize things, but also I think a lot of it is saying no to things that most Absolutely. people in our profession are so bad at because we're we are helpers of other mm -hmm. people, right? And for us to turn somebody down, like that's we we feel bad about that, right? We're like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I know I need to do I this. I think that that bad. is I love that you're saying that because I think that that's one of the things that helped me succeed is because I'm not inherently that. I like to solve problems. I like to figure out things, but I am not someone that's like, oh, I want to help you. Like I will help, but also like my way of helping may be like go see that person over there. I'm not, I don't yeah. need to take it on myself and feel that sense of accomplishment. I think that's very, very important to, for people to identify if they are like that, which I think like you're, you're saying is like a good, really good number of people in our profession, which is also probably why I'd stop treating. Cause I was like, I actually don't like this. I like figuring out the problem of assessment, but like now go do it and help yourself. Yeah, but you, if you it, are like that, you get exhausted out, quickly yeah. with people. Like, I mean, cause I think that there's this sort of like highly empathic person that, in the clinic is totally. just like, they're awesome. And like, there's people crying in their office every other day. And like, they, they just help people get over all these like mental barriers that they don't think they're able to ever do again. You know, they're great active listeners. They, they tend to be just great clinicians overall. And they're the ones that are, you know, there's, it's like, it's the art that they want to be amazing at is, is their mm -hmm. profession. Right. And, and then, yeah, then there's other people that I find maybe this is more like yourself. They're more sort of like systems driven. They, they like to like, they're more like a uh, puzzle, puzzle, you know, you know, solvers and finders and, and, uh, and they figure out templates and things that work for them and they're very efficient. Uh, but they tend to be, those people tend to actually really do well with like research within the yeah, profession, that's totally you know, things like that. Other side so of it. you would, so why aren't you doing research? What's up with that? Oh you no, because I'm definitely your... not. I'm definitely, <laughs> I, I think research. of like Eve, as you said that I'm like, oh, systems, like I'm not that person. I yeah. uh, have the skill set to like very much see people and pull out the best in people and pull out the best ideas of people. And I'm like a huge activator. I can get you started. I can get you going on things. 
but that's as much as like I enjoy. I don't love babysitting. I don't love the like, mm. I have to keep you on task with this. So I'll do it with, with um, you know, the business coaching I do. I will do that, but it's a certain type of person. And like, you know, we, like we were going to talk about, you know, online side of things. One of the beautiful parts about having an online business is that there's so many touch points before someone comes in and sees you. And so, yeah. or come, not come and see, before you work with somebody. So you can really, you know, cultivate a, a certain type of client and really just attract a certain type of client. And that person that is, that maybe needs the, um, that needs the guidance, that needs kind of the little reminders, but not the person that needs you every time to get started. Cause that's not the person that I'm looking to work with is the person that's like, Hey, I need strategy on this. Hey, like I am super scattered. I'm an ideator and I want to do that, that, that I need someone that's going to rein me in and be like, just do this, which we know as physical therapists. It's also what we were doing where you have runners and they're like, so can I run 50 miles today? And you're like, let's pump the brakes just a little yeah. bit with that. The same skill set there. So I'm definitely not the like, let's put everything in systems. Like I would lean more towards that first person that you said, which is also why I stopped treating. Cause like, as soon as I went into pelvic floor physical therapy, which I did for probably three years, that is when you really start feeling a lot of that emotional load because the people are coming in. It is different. No matter what people said, yes, it can be ortho, but it's very different than someone that's coming in with traditional, very standard, like knee pain. Someone's like, my marriage is ending because of this thing. Or like, I can't work. I can't, I can't live my life. You're like, wow, this is a lot. So that was also kind of what separated me and like, rather made me want to kind of take a step back from that. But I think identifying how you are and where you fall on that, that's, that's what leads to ultimately career happiness and career longevity. So you can find the position, create the position, move into the position that, that really fits how you are. What do you say to let's say there's a clinician listening to this and they're like, I don't know if I want to treat patients anymore, you know? And there, there's, there's a large, uh, non-clinical, you know, sort of movement, not just physical therapy, but I think in many of the, the healthcare, you know, profession, uh, different disciplines. And I, I think it's hard from what I've seen, at least for, at least for me, cause I do really enjoy working with patients. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to be like, Oh, you went to think about the school you went to and you took all these loans and you do awesome work with people. Like you really get to like help people quite a bit. The only problem is that economy doesn't value what we do in the same way. I'll give you a great example. I had lunch. I caught up with an old patient of mine. We had lunch and this guy sells, um, <clears throat> he sells trailers for 18 wheelers. Right. Uh, so like okay. the big, the big trailers mm -hmm. on the back of like a semi truck. And he, he, I was like, how's it going? He's like, Awesome, man. It's like, you know, career year last year, like the guy literally made like a half million dollars is in sales selling trailers. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I go, cause when, cause when he came to see me, I was like, he couldn't do shit. He hurt his back. He played wait football in college. Minute. You know, he hurt his back. He's like, couldn't do anything. Couldn't pick his kid up. I was like, just a second. So you're telling me you selling trailers is worth that to the, to, to the world. Me helping mm -hmm. you alleviate debilitating lower back pain mm -hmm. so you can pick your child up is worth quite a bit less than that per year. And he started laughing out loud. He's like, yeah, I don't make the rules. That's just what it is. Yeah. But I just, I see that. And it's like, it is, it's almost as if you, you need to feel another reason to want to be in the profession absolutely you know, strongly besides income, absolutely. which is, you know, it is what it is. So, but like, let's say somebody is feeling that and they're just like, I just, I'm not into treating patients anymore. I'm not, what, what's your advice to them because totally. I feel like you don't want to stay in something that you don't really totally. love doing either. That I think the first thing is like giving them permission, like, okay, cool. You don't have to do it. But I think what's really important is, is asking them why. 
Mm. Because I think you can also buy, I don't, I'm going to say buy time, but that kind of implies that they're buying time to do something else. But it's also just buying time until they figure out that it's, so it's not a rash decision of like, I hate this and I have to just completely walk away. I think that you know, I'll die on the hill that physical therapy is the best first career of any first career, whether you stay in it right. or you go somewhere else. Like the skills that you learn are amazing. And, you know, I hurt, what did I hurt? My knee, I think. I hurt my knee last October playing vo beach volleyball. And someone was like, are you going to the doctor? And I was like, I am the doctor. No, yeah, I am the doctor. I know what's going on. Are you going to the doctor? Yes, because I went home and I know what to do with this thing. Yeah. Like it's the best first career. It's the best skill set that you could have. You always, you know, you have job security, whether you're working in hospital, yeah. you work for whatever. It's the best. But for that person, I would ask, what don't you like? Because maybe it's just the setting. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your your patients. Like maybe it is that you don't want to do this anymore. But I think it's real. I think humans are really not so good at identifying the cause of their feelings. They're just like, I feel this way, which I'm like, yes, cool. It's validated. And then why is it because it's too many people? Is it the wrong type of client? I had a, a business call, a business coaching call the other day. And uh, she is in person and is looking to grow that kind of the online side of it, not kind of the hybrid model of like a, a, of a continuation and and doing um, remote programming. She actually wants to like be in the online space, which she's like, I know it's going to take forever. I'm doing it in the background. Like, it's fine. I'm like, all right, cool. She was basically came on the call and was thinking like, I think I need to switch my niche and like go in this different direction online. And I was like, if you want, but also, you know, that's starting from square one to do that. So I don't think it's a good idea, but why do you feel this way? And ultimately it came down to Danny was that she is not good at confrontation. She avoids mm. confrontational situations. And because of that, she just runs away from things. And so the issue is that she hasn't had the hard conversations with clients and clients she doesn't like. So her schedule isn't good. And because her schedule isn't good, she doesn't want to go into work. She's like sleeping in, and that's the time she would otherwise be using to be creative to create social media content. So I was like, you don't need to change your content. Content is actually very good. You need to be able to handle confrontational situations. Because imagine if you got to work with people that you liked and clients yeah, that you liked, totally, you would be fine. So I think that people really need to sit and be like, what is it that I don't like? Is it my boss? Is it the type of clients? Is it the duration of the sessions? Is it what I'm treating? Is it that I feel like I'm not learning? Identify those things. And then fix those things, address those things. And then if at some point you're just like, this really isn't what I want to do. Cool. And you take that skill set and you look to apply it in another, because it's not like it's to me, it's not sunk cost because you have so many skills that you've gained and usually so many connections you've made that cool. You take that and then you can start to shift in another direction. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, I, I, cause I, I think that when someone dislikes where they're working, the people that they're around, the population that they're seeing, I and mean, I've been there, right? Where yeah, you know, I, I I remember when I partially it's location. Like so when I get I get moved from a tropical island, you know, to Columbus, Georgia in August. Uh it's a tough that's a tough Dang. switch. Yeah. It's a tough transition. <laughs> that's a that's a really bad uh exchange of location. But the other big thing for me, from a career standpoint, I went from having a lot of autonomy, being at a Bad. being at a brigade where no one actually really even knew what I did. So it's almost like I had, I was like an entrepreneur, right? I I got mm -hmm. to do the stuff that I wanted. I had certain metrics that they would track, and as long as they were good, they didn't really care because they didn't yeah. really know they didn't know what to tell me. They're like, I don't know what you do, man. <laughs> just just make sure you look, make me look good, and we're fine, right? So that's what I did, and I was like, this is awesome. I have all this autonomy, a lot of freedom of what I could do, be creative, and and try new things or whatever. And, and, um, and then going to Columbus and you know, being attached to the 
the clinic that where the airborne school was, I had all these sick call patients. It's a lot of ankle sprains, knee, you know, knee pain from a lot of slow running, uh, jumping off of, you know, towers to practice and stuff like that. And it was just a lot of triage of these simple injuries. And it was a lot of what I was doing as well as a lot of the cadre or the instructors, it was documentation for disability purposes, which is mm. just tedious. It's just like no. goniometer on measuring stuff to just, just and <laughs> a lot of it's just, it's just for, yeah. And, and it's because of their ratings that they would get outside. It's like the right thing to do for them, but it's very boring. Yeah. And, you know, and like, it's just, if I had to stay in that environment, no. I would probably not be a clinician either. That- but what we see with this transition, we help a lot of people with, and the reason I think a lot of people are moving the direction of like, if, even if it's just their own solo practice, at least they get to define and say like, Hey, this is who I want to crush it with. This is who I'm going to go find to work with. And they get a lot of, uh, energy from working with the right people. Not everybody's going to be ideal, but like, at least you get to define that. And it's not, you know, dictated to you and just put on your schedule. This, I think back, you know, like I, I treated it for eight years. So yeah. when I talk to people, it's not like I did it for eight months and I was like, get out of here. Like I did it. I was in it. And I, there were times that I did love it. And yeah, you can, the fulfillment that you get of like working with people and changing their lives for sure. You, you know, that was awesome. But the, the people that you're working with and feeling that you have a say, and that was a big thing in me going and doing a cash-based thing and doing this on my own. Cause I was like, the worst feeling ever is when you ask someone why they're here and they're like, because my wife told me I had to be here or because even worse, because the doctor said I have to come here if I want to go get surgery. And you're like, so you don't want to be here. I don't want you to be here. You're not going to do anything. This is a waste of my time. Like, yeah. that's the worst feeling. So the the ability to work with someone who's it all it doesn't necessarily matter the the condition. That's like a icing on the cake. But that wants to be there, that is motivated, that believes in this, that actually wants to get better. Like, Danny, I got a question for you. Do you, yeah. same vein, do you think, um, based on what you've seen, because I saw it in the CrossFit space where people are like, I like CrossFit. I'm going to start a gym. I'm going to open a CrossFit box. And then they're like, wait, I have to run a business. This is not fun yeah. anymore. I don't do CrossFit anymore. What have you seen in terms of people that start their own businesses? You think that the majority of people actually want to have their own businesses or they more so people want to work in an environment that you just described? I don't think that most people even know what, uh, what it is like to run a business. I think that there's, I have actually seen this a lot in the CrossFit uh, space just because, you know, I, back when I talked to them, I would see this a ton. And there's a big difference between somebody that runs a business and somebody that opens a gym just because they they uh, like CrossFit. And they would make it very easy to do it, right? Because you need a weekend certification and then you need, yeah. you basically need like an industrial shell of a building and <clears throat> not even that much equipment, you know, maybe yeah. 15 to $20,000 of equipment back in the day. Mm-hmm. You okay, You're good. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could, you could, it just depends if you just had like barbells and some bumper plates and kettlebells and a pull-up bar, like you pretty much, you You're know, good. you can fill the other stuff in after that. So, um, no, I would see a lot of people that I think would, they, they would look at it more as like a hobby, but you can't run a business like a no. hobby and it actually be effective. Um, I'll actually give you a great example of a, a specifically a gym. There's a, there's a gym down the road from us. And we first moved here. Um, I don't go to this gym, but my father-in-law just started going a few months ago. And when Ash and I moved here, we started going to this gym, um, like immediately is right down the street from where we were at. And the backstory is the, the lady that owned it, it was her and her husband, but her husband comes from a very wealthy family, like probably one of the hundred wealthiest families in the U S and he's just, he's like the only, yeah. So like, he's like, I think the only, the only son or only kid maybe. So he's got like trust fund level money. He just buys these two gyms for his wife. Cause his wife's kind of into it. Like she just likes CrossFit. Right. 
and he wanted to buy her CrossFit gym. So he buys these in cash, right? The guy that sells them, uh, he's this uh, army captain that had gotten out, started these gyms. He's, he takes the cash and moves to Belize. Well, <laughs> I don't know if he ever came back. And so she so she has these now. It's her hobby. So she just thinks, oh, I can just hire these coaches to do whatever. So it was the worst run gym I've ever been to in my entire life. There was this guy that would uh, teach the morning classes and there wouldn't be a ton of people there. There'd be maybe like three to five. And half the time he would be asleep on the couch in like the, the office area. And so he would like sleep through class. Uh, so we'd just be like what? dropping barbells to wake him up, you know, like get, to get him up. What? Half the time, yeah. Half the time I would just like do my own thing and then leave. Open and gym. I'm like, this is like, and she didn't care because she didn't need the money. She just, it just was a, it was like a yeah. hobby for her. Right? Hobby. The guy that bought it, he has a management consulting background, worked for like Deloitte. He bought this gym and it runs like a, it's smooth as can a be. business. Now great business. You know, I talked to him about it. He's like, Oh dude, it was a train wreck. He implemented all these systems, all this stuff. He didn't, he, he liked CrossFit, but he didn't like being a consultant and didn't like all the traveling that he had. Mm -hmm. So for him, this was a business that he was buying yeah. because it was going to be what provided an income for him and his family. Right. Yes. So he took it, took it very seriously, took a very uh, different approach to it. And, and what I see, and this is what most clinicians do is they say to themselves, okay, well, I don't want to do this anymore. So, you know, I, I've, I've heard Danny, I've heard Shante talk about stuff. I I've read some books. I listened to some, some podcasts and, uh, I, you know, whatever I, I watched some YouTube videos on this stuff I'm going to go for it. Cause it actually doesn't look like it's that hard. It's really not that hard to start a practice, but the problem is that it is still a business and they have no idea how to actually effectively run a business. So if you, if you really think about like the seven years we spent to get a degree, plus all the mentorship that we've had, all the continuing uh, uh, courses that we've gone to, to increase our skills, like that level of uh, effort towards the profession has mm -hmm. got to be applied to your business. Mm -hmm. Because if it's not, you're going to be like, it's, it's almost like you have this lopsided uh, approach to your skills where you have no business skills and you have these great clinical skills. And that will actually get you patients because they'll tell their friends about it and yeah. stuff like that. But the moment that you start to slip up because you're not organized, you forget to email somebody something, you forget to follow up, whatever, like your reputation starts to go downhill because yeah, you may be a great that, clinician, but your customer experience sucks. That, and, and then, and then you're going to plateau. You're going to kind of be stuck. Right. So for a lot of people that we see, it's like, they have to come to that conclusion the hard way usually, because I can say this and no one, mm -hmm. uh, very few people will listen initially because they don't even know the pain of it. Right. And, and it's the same thing with us. Like people can talk about how difficult it is to be a clinician and see 30 people in a day until you fucking do it. Yeah, yep. Like you don't know what we're talking mm -hmm. about. Like, and I know plenty of people <laughs> that went to school and now like in our profession, yeah. this is what's interesting. There's people that like do something similar to me, like within our profession that are helping people with business coaching and, and with cash-based practice and stuff that are physical therapists that have never treated a goddamn patient, never treated one. And it's because they realize they didn't my want to do it. Yeah, it's crazy. Blows my mind. I, I feel like from the consumer perspective there, not the not the physical therapy client, but from the person that's paying this business coach, the number one question is, have you done what I want to do? Right. Like across the board. And I feel the same way about sports. And I know that kind of people will be like, well, sometimes like, you know, people are better coaches than they are players. And yeah. I'm like, I don't fucking care if I'm hiring someone. I want someone that's been at that level. That's done it. I'll, there's a lot of coaches out there. I don't need someone who's like just great at, you know, theory. And like, I want to know, were you in the trenches in the same capacity? Do you understand it? Or did you realize that there's more money to be made or easier money to be going B to B than going, right. you know, B to C direct to consumer? Because that is a huge, huge, huge red flag. We see it a ton in the online business space, a ton, because it's, it's easy to do that. 
like, ah, this is not good. This well, I think it's good. even more rampant in the, in the, uh, the online space Yeah, because for a lot of people, it's huge. you know, I mean, I, I, I read this article about, uh, <clears throat> I was looking at, uh, different softwares that some of our folks are using. And one of those is go high level. And as I was reading more and more about it, some of these, I was getting some of these Reddit threads where people are, are basically describing their business model of this. So they, they're like, okay, well, I get this go high level account, which is basically a marketing software, right? We can build landing pages and all kinds of stuff. And what they do is they essentially build systems in many cases with limited understanding of the business they're building it for, but they're pretty slick marketers. So they'll build these systems out. And then under this account, they can license a sub account through their account to somebody else. And they can drop all these systems into them, which it mm -hmm. sounds, that sounds appealing in some way. And then what they do is they just charge them the same amount that they would be paying go high level for the same account access, but they would have to build everything out themselves. Mm -hmm. So on paper, you're like, this is an easy thing to sell. The problem is if you're that business owner, Bad. you can never leave because, Bad. and if you do leave, Bad. they just take all their, they take all of their Bad. like account back. And so you don't, you're not actually own it. It's, and then people don't even realize that. And I'm like, this is, this is wild. Dang. And it's a scam in a lot of ways. I see it over and over and over again. And I will say it, if you are, it's very easy to say this to an online business owner because they're online. So I'm like, listen, you have to learn tech. I don't care if you don't like it. This is your job now. You have to learn it. And at yeah. some point, if you want to outsource it, you can. It becomes a little harder to say that to brick and mortar people that are like, that. that's like, learn the systems, learn the tech side of it. I understand it's not fun. I understand that it's not like you don't feel like it's directly like bringing cash in for this, but you need to learn these things. So you're not handcuffed to whatever yeah. this thing is. I see it happening a ton now in the space where people are going into these masterminds and these programs, and they're just literally outsourcing everything to the point where they're like, going to outsource the copy on their website and the, and the copy in the emails. And I'm like, you can't do that. It's easier. I feel like it's easier for me to say that to online people. They still want to do it, but I'm like, you have to run your business first. You have to find your voice. You have to build this brand. And then if you want to hire people and bring them in, I don't care. That's amazing. Great. But well, people are sure trying to do it from the beginning. Too. This. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I get like getting like, let's say, let's say you want somebody to build a landing page for you or a build out a, a funnel of emails that are, you know, let's say it's like a new patient email funnel yeah. or something like that. Uh, they, the, the understand a, the understanding is that they need to actually have done what you're trying to do and they, they understand it. You also have your own voice, your own verbiage, your own uh, niche that needs to be applied to that. The frameworks can be can be similar, but they need to be filled yeah. in with with actual like substance that makes sense to your community. And then the other thing is make sure that it's your resource. That's that's like the other thing for me that I see is just like, don't build. You're going to build the digital infrastructure of your business. But make sure you own it. Like I'm not going to build, is... you know, a, a a building that I don't own, and if I decide I want to vacate it, they take it back. Like it's just a bad idea. So no, I, I see no sense saying. to me, Danny. It makes I no sense. I think that there is, if people have the the grit, the determination to run a business, to acquire acquisition is the hardest, right? Getting people in the door. If you can figure that out, you can take the weekend to figure out your CRM. You can take the weekend to figure out, I don't need you to like become a pro that someone's going to hire you, but like people are so overwhelmed by the thought of like a website that they're immediately like, well, I'm just going to hire the whole thing out. I'm not saying that I need you to sit here and like slave away for three weeks to try and fucking figure out how to do it. But you do need to put something into this because that's how you're going to future proof this. Like understand just a little bit what's going on. You get, it's like, it feels like the first like 
it feels like the first drop of technical resistance, people are like, oh, I'm outsourcing everything. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of bad messaging on social media. It's it's good marketing for these marketers to just kind of really twist the knife in the pain point and be like, you don't have a real business if you haven't outsourced it. And you're, you know, yeah. you're trading dollars for hours and this tech stuff isn't bringing people in. So just hire it out immediately. Yes. And learn how to do things, understand how to do things, make sure that it's your own. And then you can be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm bringing someone in to help me with this. I just, I see it happen so much where people are so like, I just want to have nothing to do with it and be so hands-off. And I'm like, this is an integral part of your baby. So take the time, push through that friction. You will be okay. I promise. And then you can, you know, outsource accordingly. It's happening like a lot, Danny. Feel like you need to be an informed consumer and it's no different than any other decision that you make you know you have to have a you have to have an understanding of what you want but also what you don't want and what you need to make sure yes. that you're that you're not you know getting taken advantage of <clears throat> because people do that and you know it is what it is i mean it's going to happen in anywhere that there's an opportunity that to, to to create income I, I will say i'll circle back around to what you said about the the trading trading time for money i had this conversation with people and they get really frustrated with it where they're like I don't want to trade time for money. I don't want to trade time for money. And, you know, I, I get like getting to a point where you have this, um, you know, time independence, time freedom. Um, but that shit doesn't happen quickly. And I, I think the patient side, like I I see this constantly where people are just like, Oh, I I just don't want to trade my time for money anymore. Right. And it's, it's like, well, I mean, I trade my time for money. Like I'm technically doing it right now. And you know, like this is something that I'm just saying, like, we're going to create content out of this. You're doing the same thing, right? Like you could be doing something of value of something else. And, but we're doing this instead because we can share it and we can hopefully educate people. And I think that like, I don't know if people view that as like, oh, well, like maybe they see you and they they say, oh, all she does is play volleyball. She plays volleyball and she pets her cat, you know, <laughs> and you know, and then and that's it. So she must not be doing any work. But they're wrong. You can do a shitload yeah, of work. A ton. You, know, you, you just a don't ton. necessarily document all of that, right? And and you're not seeing patients all day where you can see, oh, I'm getting I'm paying this much per visit or whatever. Um, but I think that to understand that like that's okay, and that if you want to grow past that, it's a lot of work, that's a ton cool. of work. Whether you go virtual like what you're doing. Like the amount of effort it takes to be able to build a personal brand of of enough size to be able to uh, replace your income as a full-time physical therapist, that is hard yeah. work, very hard yeah. to do. And if you go the other route where you're like, okay, I'm going to start a practice. I'm going to grow myself out of it. Even as an owner where I wasn't seeing any patients, I'm still involved in so this. much stuff with the people that we work with and the business itself. And it's just like, it's maybe not tied directly to a schedule, but it's still a lot this. of like- I'm trading time for something, right? You are. I think that people conflate words and confuse words, confuse words. And actually, I'm, I'm after this, I'm recording episodes for this week. And one of the things that I'm going to talk about is time freedom versus time flexibility. And people mm, think that they're going like to get that. time freedom. And I'm like, you're not. Unless you are independently wealthy and you're like a trust fund baby, you're going what you're looking for and what you're ultimately going to get is time flexibility because you still have to work. It's just when are you working and what are you working on? I think that's yeah. the biggest thing that people are like, but I maybe they don't want I call it minimized direct delivery where they don't want to be like right with the client or client facing. So you kind of want to change those hours. But guess what? So I'm client facing on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but every other day and even those days, it's still work that's being done Monday, Wednesday, Friday is still content creation that's being done. It's still checking in on things. It's still people. One of the questions that gets me and they're like, how much time do you spend on social media? And I'm like, all the time. Like, I, there's no, like, yeah. <laughs> this is my job. I'm on it all. I don't know what the kind of question this is. I do it all the time because this is 
my business and I like doing yeah. it and I have the time flexibility where like, okay, I'm going and traveling or whatever. I'm on the plane and the air, the Wi-Fi is shit. So like, I'm not on it then, but like, yeah. I'm going to be on it when I land, like time flexibility, very different than time freedom. And it's, it's very, I think that people like to throw around slick phrases and be like, ah, trading dollars for hours. And I'm working in the business versus on the business and all these yeah. things. And I'm like, what do you actually mean? What do you actually want? And also you're still going to have to work. Like yeah. that's just a given, but let's figure out what you want to be working on, who you want to be working with, when you want to be working, how you want to be working and then lean into that. It's not just, I have money and I don't do anything. Also that, that sounds not, I'm like, you realistically probably don't want that. Like there is some. Sounds depressing. Right? I mean, I, I feel like if I didn't have something to do that I was trying to get better at, uh, and what's nice about a business, I guess you can find this in a lot of ways, right? Like it could be a hobby, but even still, I feel like there has to, I think we're designed to work. We're designed to yeah. do, we're designed to do something. We're designed to help people. Ideally, at least I feel like I'm very much wired to I help agree. other people. I just couldn't imagine, you know, selling something that I didn't feel like was benefiting someone directly. That. And, and, and so like, I need that. And, and I also know that if, if, if I was to not work, I would be a pretty, um, miserable person. Like I, I need, it's like, I, like I get, I have this, I have a dog that's a German shepherd mix and like, he needs a certain amount of work. Like he needs to, you know, he needs to run after a ball. He needs to do a little mm -hmm. training. He needs to go on a walk. Like he, he needs direction. And if he yeah. doesn't, he'll, he'll eat a roll of toilet paper. Like, <laughs> like he's like, you're and if I didn't have direction, I don't probably not doing that, but I'm Jay's like, destructive. yeah, exactly. I just like ripping it up and out of frustration, but like, like we need something to do. So I think the time flexibility side is amazing because if you can tie that in with something that you independently love doing, where it doesn't feel like my, my barometer is this, like there's certain things I still have to do that I'll put off and I'll put off and they're so energy draining for me. I'm just like, Oh my God, mm -hmm. I just can't do it. And I'll do lots of other mm -hmm. things in the Everything meantime. Else. But the things I get to do was like, I was so excited to talk to you today. Like I like literally, right? I, I just, like I could barely do anything else. It's funny. <laughs> I wrote out like all these things I want to talk about. We haven't actually talked to anyone, which is awesome. <laughs> it is because it's, it's so easy to have this conversation. But I think that like, I, I'm excited about this. I will have more energy after this than I will this. going into it. And it's like this, this Bad. idea of like, what do they call it? Like energy fountains and energy drains. This is an energy fountain for me, like the ability to Big be time. able to engage with somebody, learn from somebody, you know, just, just kind of like, I, I love the perspective that other people have. Like, I find that fascinating. And if you can tie in the things that you do with flexibility that give you more energy than, than that. training activities, like that's the life, that. that's, that's the key. That, that is, I think what people are searching for. I think that, you know, Yes, we are in, we, it's expensive to be alive. Like it's certain expensive and totally. more cities, you know, certain, it's more expensive in certain cities than others, but just in general, we know it's super, super expensive to be alive. And that is what it is. Like, yeah. it is what it is. So you may need to do things to have, money is a resource, right? To me, money is a resource. It creates opportunities, it creates options. And that's what I'm looking for is I always want options. So yeah, you may need to do certain things that you don't love so that you can have this, and you can save and you can then have this time and the time flexibility and doing these other things that, you know, di direct, directly necessarily aren't like immediately producing uh, money. Like my, for me, if I think about it, I love creating content. I would love to just do that all the time, but also I'm like, 
that doesn't make money directly unless you're like some massive YouTuber. And then like that to me also sounds not fun now because suddenly if that's your job, these people are spending like a hundred thousand dollars on a thumbnail to like test this against this. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I just like doing, I like creating this. So that means that I am still going to be coaching and I'm still going to be doing Voxer access with people. And I enjoy that, but do I enjoy making content and having this kind of leveraged model of like, let me just provide information. This would enjoy that more. Yes. But I need to do other things so that I can do this. And I think people have to take a step back and realize that. And then, like you said, realize the time that goes into getting to a point where, yes, I can do things like this. And this actually will help the business in some way, shape or form. It's not just like, I'm pretending that it is because it's not that I want to do. I think that people want to, and I will say, I think it probably ties into social media because you, not because social media is bad, you know, I'm the first person to champion it, but you can, you're privy to a lot more on social media and you're privy to at this in the same vein, like half of the story. And so you come right. in and you just see Danny's success right now. You don't see the 18 billion years before that. And you're just like, I want that. I could do that. Like, how do I get to that? Uh, I don't want to trade dollars for hours anymore. Meanwhile, you like graduated yesterday and have no trust and no skills. And yeah. So it's like, <laughs> that's you so can true. get there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I think that it is challenging to see that. And you see people around you, uh, maybe they're, you know, adjacent to you some way, maybe they're a friend, maybe they're um, some sort of loose acquaintance, maybe it's just somebody that looks like they're your age that are put, they're putting stuff mm-hmm. out about, you know, the things that they're doing. And, and it's so difficult to know, it's, it's like very difficult to compare yourself because it never ends well. Like you're, you're either going to feel better about yourself, which is like, oh, great asshole. Congrats. Yeah, like, exactly. you're better than that person. Does that make you feel better? You know, or you feel worse because somebody's like doing something that you wish that you could do. And it's, it's human nature, I think to do it, but it is yeah. also, it's very challenging. I think that I think one of the best things people can do is just like have more perspective on, you know, what it's just the idea of like being able to go after what you want while still appreciating what you have, which is a very difficult thing to do. One of the things that we found is just like, as a family, there's a, there's a local nonprofit, uh, that works with, uh, homeless women that have kids. And, and so they, they have like a big house in the neighborhood and they do all kinds of different events. Right. So like, but we would go and we'd, cook dinner for them a couple of times a year. We're like, we'll go, you know, drop off Thanksgiving baskets for ones that yeah. have like an apartments that are kind of moved, moved to like the next step of the process. Um, but then we also like, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get involved in, in Christmas with our kids and they come to all of it anyway. But like at Christmas, what's so interesting is like, they'll have their wish list of what they want for Christmas. And it's not like, I want an Xbox. I want mm-hmm. an iPad. It's like, I want soap and socks. Like Love put it. that in perspective for a second. Like these yeah. kids, these are the same yeah. age as mine. And they're, like, they're, that's, it. that's what they want. And my kids see that Imagine. and it's like, oh shit. Like they're just asking for soap and socks. Like, can we give them our soap and socks? And like, no, that's gross. We're going to get them. <laughs> but, but like to them, it's perspective. So I think that for a lot of people, they lose sight of that. They lose sight of the fact that there's a lot of people that struggle. The things that we're talking totally. about, time flexibility, right? these people are just trying to, they're just trying that's to find it. a fucking job. Like, like be that's... grateful for that as well. And I think that if you don't intentionally do that, it, you're going to end up living in this false reality of, oh, everybody's doing great, better than me. Like, no, a lot of people are not. Most people are, Most people are, are really struggling. Bad. Most of, if you have the ability to, to be thinking about this and having, you have options, that's like, you're doing a lot better than most people. If you have options, it comes down to that. I think, like you said, gratitude is like on the other side of the, the, the spectrum there. I see folks and I work with folks that, it's largely like females and people are like raised and socialized female that feel so bad about their success and really they're just yes this is a big thing danny that they are just like i feel guilty 
And how do, I don't want to share it. I don't want to talk about it. Some people, I think, kind of self-sabotage because of it. Wow. And they're just like, because they are aware that there are people that don't, that have it worse than them. And then there's the conversation we have with that, which is like, you feeling bad doesn't make them be in a better position. So right. what can you do? And I think that you nailed it. I've done multiple episodes about this because I see it a lot. And it starts with gratitude and expressing gratitude. And from there, we tend to see like action items come up, whether it's that, like you said, you go and volunteer your time or donate your money or whatever it is, or talk to somebody, whatever it is, you get far more of an impact. You get far more of an effect from starting in one place and, and expressing gratitude and practicing gratitude as opposed to just being like, I feel bad. Because people will just, they get to that and they just stop. And it's, it's a big, it's a big issue. I see it a lot, actually, a lot. It's just so interesting. You know, I, I guess, I guess that all, I guess it, it's this, how would you call it? Like survivor's guilt sort of almost, mm -hmm. right? Where yeah. it's just like, oh, yeah. I'm doing so well. And like these people around same. me are not, I, I can totally see how, same, same. how that would be the case, you know? And, and, but I, I think on this, on the flip side of that, the obviously gratitude is, is important. I think it's actually like the most important thing to at least just, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to necessarily be with other people. It could just literally be appreciating that like anything. Like I, anything. I was, I was dragging a sled the other day. Uh, we live across the street from a school. And so I'm around, I'm like dragging around the parking lot. Um, like a, like a psycho, everyone in my neighborhood is <laughs> oh, fucking nuts, dude. Uh, yeah, but, but like, so anyway, I'm either dragging a sled and I just stopped for a second and I, I was, uh, getting, just drinking some, some, uh, some water. And I just like had a moment where I was looking at all the trees around me and I'm like, man, Atlanta has a really pretty fall. Like yeah. trees yeah. are all different colors and, you know, it's a little bit colder in the morning. And I just like took a few minutes to like, really just appreciate trees, like literally yeah. leaves around me I, I get it. and what it looked like in, in I comparison to it. And it's like, I like that right there in its own right was just this interesting moment that I had that I was just so thankful for. I, like, like get out yes. of the fucking matrix that we're all in and just look around for a second. That, all of a sudden it's like, this is amazing. This is awesome. How fortunate am I to be able to drag a sled dude, in a beautiful area, you know, on a day that I get to spend a lot of time that, with my family. Like it's that, great. That those little things, there's a large, my whole message, my whole thing with social media is that I believe that we as humans are here on this planet in this life to experience joy, whatever that looks like. For some people that is business and like being super productive for other people, it's the complete opposite. It's, it's raising a family, whatever. But I believe that we are here to experience joy. To that end, that is why I share what I share. And I share it unapologetically in terms of my stories of like, I love where I live. I love my cat. I love that there's palm trees outside because those moments are the best. And then I think that a lot more people have access to that than they will have access to like making a social media post or whatever, but just being able to be like, dude, the sun is out to, for me, the sun, you know, other people are like, they want to, they like the rain or they like the cold. I don't want the cold, but yeah. to each their own and having those moments. I have them all time now. Like you said, like, you know, I do a lot of beach volleyball and like, we'll just be, I don't care if I'm losing. I don't like to lose, but even if I am, I'm like, oh, look, there's a dolphin over there. Like, yeah. and taking a moment for that. And that is why I share what I share because I know that people feel guilty or sometimes they forget. Or they don't realize. I think sometimes people think that the thing they celebrate and the thing that they are grateful for has to be this massive thing. And it can just be like, there's a lot of nice flowers out. There's, you know, autumn in in Atlanta is really, really nice. Just a little well, I reminders. Think, I think you need the duality of the of like the perspective of that as well, right? So like for you, you know, you grew up in a place that was like 
pretty cold. The winters were hard, yeah. right? And you're like, no, I'm good. Like, and now Got you it. live in Southern California and you you have nice weather, like nicer weather for what you want, like more often, right? So you can appreciate that. Whereas somebody that's grew up there their whole life, they they can't. Like, I remember yeah. I met this guy who was a physical therapist um, that was, he was a few years older than me. He was in the army. He was born in Hawaii. He lived wow. there his entire life. He had never left. Uh, he went to University of Hawaii uh, for college. And then he moved to San Antonio to go to physical therapy school at university, like the army Baylor program mm -hmm. at Fort Sam Houston, same one that I went to. And I, I met this guy like at a different military base and I was talking to him about it. Cause we had just moved from Hawaii and I was talking about Hawaii and, and I was like, well, how was it going to San Antonio for you? And he goes, crazy, man. What a shock. He goes, he goes, he wanted to go to the beach and like, he ends up going down to, I think it was Corpus Christi, which is, you know, Texas Gulf coast, no offense if you're, if you're, I don't even know if that's on the beach, somewhere down there around the beach. If you're, if you know what I'm talking about, listen, they're not the nicest beaches in the world. Let's just be honest. It's maybe the closest proximity to that area, but it's not the nicest. And, and I remember him telling me, he was like shocked. He's, he's like, wait a second. This isn't a beach. This isn't like, where's the, <laughs> now where are the waves? He was like, why is the sand not white? You know, why, where, where's the, like, why can I see through the water? Why is this so murky and gross looking? And I just started laughing and, and he was like, I just thought all beaches look like this. He goes, wow. I thought that this is like, there's like beautiful mountains outside of a town wow. like this, you know? Yeah. And, and, and he's like, yeah, I went to like El Paso and they said there were mountains <laughs> and, <it's ugly."> and <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, it's perspective, dude. And, and now this. like when he goes home, he's just like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. But like, he That's, has no idea yeah. if he doesn't experience something else. Right. So I think that even for people that are struggling with things, this idea of, perspective. I mean, I saw this recently with my son, he's been trying to make money, right? So he's like doing all these things. He's trying to get people to, he's just trying to help them out with stuff yeah. they don't want to do. And he just, it's been like at one L after another, right? Hasn't worked, hasn't worked. Finally, he gets this idea that he's going to help, like he's going to take the trash cans to the street and bring them back up. And he finally got his first couple clients signed up on it. And he was so excited. Like he we, his, like he was as red Jack. as could be. He was so excited. Like he was, he, he was like, I feel like I just hit a home run. You know what <laughs> he's I'm like? Yeah, dude, that's awesome. But like, he's also been getting, you know, eating shit, getting turned down and all mm -hmm. the other stuff that nobody wanted. And then finally he got like, I go, you got product market fit today. You got your first sale. Like it's awesome. It's, and it's just like so sweet for him. It's way better than if it had happened yeah. where the first person said yes. Totally. That perspective is there. I think we can have like, imagine if one, yes, perspective is, it gives that frame of, a frame of reference. I think if you get that, it becomes like almost a superpower if you are able to not need it in order to appreciate other things subsequently. Like, yes, it's going to be always be easier to be like, yeah, it feels better when I don't bang my head against the wall if I just bang my head against the wall. Totally. Yeah. But imagine if, <laughs> you know, moving forward, you could be, and I think some people do have this skill. It's just like a gift where it's just like, you can appreciate it just, because not because you need yeah. the other side of it, but yes, of course it makes so much, it makes so, so much sense with that. I have a question for you, Danny, with this. Cause one of the things that I, I'm just thinking about the story you're talking with Jack and, and the business idea, cause I see it in the, in the online space and Jack's also like, you know, he's so young and he's just coming up with ideas. But a quote that Jill shares with me sometimes is, uh, like one of the greatest um, barriers to, to more success is some success, right? And you're just like, all right, cool. I got to get an attraction. 
I see this in the online space in terms of people just going with an idea because they get traction because it and it works. Do you see that in the clinical side of things and people kind of building things that maybe they don't really love, they don't even enjoy because, but they're like, but like it works and I'm going to do it. Do you oh, see yeah. that? I do. I see that with people. Uh, <clears throat> they'll kind of like chase niches in particular, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've actually seen this where like, I would say that women's or like pelvic health or whatever uh, uh, the right term is, um, is, is, it is one of the better niches for cash-based practice, right? So uh, any sort of pelvic floor work um, is there's not as many providers. It's something that not everybody wants to mm-hmm. do or maybe uh, <clears throat> whatever. And and if insurance does take it, they typically have long wait times to be able to get into a provider, right? So it's kind of like this unique sweet spot. I don't know if it'll be like that forever, but it's definitely like that right now. So that being said, we'll see providers that have practices and they're just like, I got to get a pelvic floor person in. Right. You know, and then, but like, they don't really understand it. They don't understand mm-hmm. like what that mm-hmm. person's doing. They can't mentor that person. And I see a lot of turnover that occurs mm. in that, in that space in particular. Uh, and not just that one, but other niches yeah. where it's just like, Oh, uh, you're doing this. Does this really align with what you want to do? Like, do you feel very, uh, you know, aligned with this in terms of this meets um, matches all the other niches that you have. Like, is there a reason besides, I think I can fill this person's schedule mm-hmm. for why you want to add them to your team? Bad. Because yeah. if, if, if that's the only reason you're doing it, I can tell you that person's going to not be around too long. Cause they're going to feel that too. And yeah. then they're going to move on. And and I see a lot of turnover in, in positions like that because of the niche that, that people assume is going to be a great addition, which it can be, but you got to also build the ecosystem for those people to be successful and support them. And if you can't mentor them, you got to get mentors for them. You got to get them around other yes. people that have the same niche. Otherwise they're going to start to get very frustrated. So I definitely see that. Um, or I see people just go into a niche they don't like because they think they can make it work. Like, yeah. You know, they're like, I don't like working with runners, but there's a lot of hurt runners. So let me work with runners, you know, and, but they don't like running, you know, they don't even fucking like it. So <laughs> then they don't want to learn about it. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's very hard for them to actually want to focus on that. It's wild to me that like, you're going to put in the effort to build something and make something like, why would you not choose something that you enjoy? Like I, I watch people yeah. replace a shitty boss with himself. They replace yep. people, clients they don't like with, well, these are my own clients at least. I'm like, but you don't like them. You don't like that. What yeah. doing? Like, yeah. is it better? I don't know. Right. Well, or, or they'll, or I'll see people that are like chasing only like affluent clients. Right. So they're, they're yeah. looking like, okay, what's the most affluent zip code I could possibly get in. You know, I just want to work with people that have a lot of disposal income. They start to try to build these packages around that alone. And, you know, and it, okay. If you're, if you love talking to just affluent people that have disposable income that don't really, it's not that important to them to, you know, to really like get a lot out of their business with you, then, I mean, cool, go for it. But if, if the goal is that you want to help a certain group of people with a certain problem, that's really important to them as well as yourself. Like that's where I feel like you have to find not just like the fit for you and the, and, and the environment, but like you and the work that you want to do is we talk about with burnout, right? It's yeah. just like, like you can, you can make a lot of money and be burnt out. You know, you for can, sure. you can do a lot of work and make a lot of money doing the thing that you like to do and you feel great. I feel right. Great. And, and so it's just like, the matching up of those things, I think for some people it's hard because they don't really know what they want or they don't want. And then sometimes you get so far along that you're like, I, I don't know if I can just stop and rebuild to what I want because you feel like it's like this sunk cost sunk fallacy cost. where yeah. 
you've already put a lot of time into it, right? So I think it's a hard transition to make, but mo everyone I've seen that has gone that route where they're like, no, I'm going to focus on this. They, you know, double down on that. They change things up. They're always just so much happier and typically success is going to follow that. This, the time's going to pass anyway, right? Like it's going to pass regardless. So you might as well start to write the ships and figure that out. Like it, whether you wait, I see an online space, whether you wait, wait, wait until you hate it or you start to turn them gradually at some point, it's going to have to turn because it's not what you're doing. That other path is not sustainable. You're like, literally you're just going to hate it. Like you said, you're going to be burnt out and you're going to be resentful. Quality of care goes down. Like it, it's not, it's, there is an endpoint with that. I got another question, Danny, that just popped into my head. I'm interviewing oh, yeah, you yeah. now. We're switching. You know, okay. Hey, this is this is great. This isn't really. I feel like maybe we could just like share this on both of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm both, uh, done because it's double. basically yeah, yeah yeah we're just like double host. I'm like we'll be good. <laughs> question is because I'm seeing this and I'm like, mm. um, I'm seeing, especially with younger uh, practice owners, younger like cash base physical therapists, they are wanting to go into the online space. Yeah. And I'm not really certain why I'm like, what do you think? It's, I think people maybe think it's going to be easier or I don't know, but I think it's a bad move. And I typically push people away from it unless they're like brick and mortar is crushing and they're great and their systems are there and they're like not doing that much and they have the bandwidth for this. But why, what is going on, Dana? Are you seeing this? What, what is the push? Why are people trying to move into the online space and, instead of doubling down on their, their, their brick and mortar? What's going on? This is a really good question. And actually I have a follow-up question for you that I will save until I answer this, because I actually wrote one down that I, I want to ask you about that in line with this. And so what I think is happening is people see, and again, I think this is just visibility with people's lives a little bit more. Um, they see people traveling, you know, they see people that are like posting about things that they're able to do, uh, about, about what they want to do potentially with their life, uh, as well. And I will say that the appeal of an online uh, business, like a digital business is the, the, the remote flexibility. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so the idea that you can work from anywhere, uh, I think is very appealing from coming from someone who can do that. I find it quite frustrating actually, yes. because <laughs> it is very hard to turn off. <laughs> like uh, it's very hard to silo that. And so I think there's a lot of, there's definitely pros and there's cons to that as well. So, um, so I think people see that and they want to be a bit more remote uh, location independent. Maybe this is like before they have kids and they want to be able to travel more and experience other parts of the country and, and not be as um, tied down. I think part of it is just like, from an age standpoint, I definitely see a lot of people that are younger want to yeah. move. They want to be in different places. They want to, they value experiences. So I think there's actually a lot of benefit to that mm -hmm. viewpoint um, on life and maybe not as much security wise. Uh, so that's what I think is going on. I think the other thing too is I, 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 it seems like the thought process is that an online business is easier or an online business yeah. is you can make more money with an online business. And, you know, you maybe in some ways, but definitely not in others. And yeah. it's, it's, it depends what you're comparing, but there's business problems in, in all of them. Uh, there's scale problems in all of them. You know, even people it's maybe you have fewer people visually if like we're doing stuff, but it's still, there's still people that we have to work with and we have to manage and systems have to be created. And in fact, I think it's way harder if you're not in person with people to build culture and, and really, you know, be able to actually like 
have a business and and it's something that I actually miss the most is just being able to be in person with the right people is probably the best part of a brick and mortar business. But I'm not going to tell anybody that's not the right move for them. I think that they need to decide it what what business do you want that helps build towards a life that you want, not necessarily just to pick a business that's going to become your life if it's the wrong decision for you. So here's the one caveat I would say to this where I think people have a legitimate decision to make. And this is the question I actually have for you. And it's so we've had a number of people that have successful cash practices. And along the way, they've built a personal brand for themselves, sharing what they're talking about. And usually it is personal brands that are building that either clinicians are sort of gravitating towards yep. with more questions, yep. or it's consumers that fit a certain niche that want to engage to work with these people digitally. And what I see is this sort of fork in the road, because I don't think they can do both well, is do you double down on your brick and mortar that's already like work? Typically that's already doing well and making a lot more money. And then they have this like adjacent interest that would be a whole different business model, digital business model, consulting courses, maybe whatever it is they're going to do. And, but maybe that adds like flexibility to where they can be and they have to decide what to do. So have you seen that, I guess you say, and like, what's your advice for that? Totally. So a few things. One, I think that is the rarest of circumstances because most people just aren't good at multiple things. So if that person is actually at a place where like they could do well online, it's just very few people. The person I'm thinking of right now who's done it is Nicole Cozine crushing and has done it. And mind you, it's an, it's a business partner situation. Like Nicole is fucking just incredible, but that's, she's like a different type of person. That's like, can mm-hmm. manage both. So I think you nailed it, that it is. Well, her husband's involved too. So do you exactly. have this you have additional business partner that is like, you know, rooted in the businesses this. and that it's, so that is, I think key it's, to have that, somebody it's else. It's a very rare situation yeah. that you have something like that. It's like very, very rare. And if that's the case and yeah, you go and you can do that. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you said that, you know, it's going to be very hard to crush at both. If you're that rare person, all right, cool. Uh, I think, like you said, you got to decide what you want to, like what you want to be your priority and what is getting the focus and the attention. And it has to be the type of thing where you have to understand that you can't give full attention. So if you're like, hey, I want to grow this digital side of things, you're either very okay with it going slower and it's going to go slower because you cannot give full attention to it and maintain while you are able to maintain this other, this brick and mortar, you need to have the partnerships in place that someone else is running this thing, or you have partners that are doing this thing. Otherwise it's just not possible. It's not possible to do both yeah. very, very well. And I just think it's honestly very, very rare, like to get someone that's, that's, I have like a, a handful of clients that are, that are doing that. But the reason they're doing it is because they want to move away from the brick and mortar. It's mm. not that they want both to go for forever. And they're like, I have a five-year plan of like doing this. You can't see me if you're, if you're listening to this folks, but like my hands are moving such that they want one's their, going up and one is going one's down. Going down. That's it. Right. <laughs> so, call that live. <laughs> <laughs> that, why, that why do you think people want to move sense. towards that? I mean, obviously these people you're talking about, they're, they're working with you. So they want to move towards digital, but what do you feel like the appeal is in, you know, from, from your vantage points, like, okay, I see more people that want to move towards this, this uh, remote business is digital business. Um, why do you think that that's important? I think it's, I think it's twofold. I think it's time flexibility. Um, and the majority of people that I see doing it that I'm really like, I'm like, yes, this is the way for you. They don't want to leave practicing fully. 
they want to do less of it. And so they can downsize. They're all, they're all very good business, business owners. Like I wouldn't work with someone that's like, this you know, disaster. Battered, yeah. Um, They understand like, Hey, I can downsize this. I can rent this smaller space. I am getting all of my in-person clients from word of mouth. I'm not getting them from, from social media. They understand it's two different demographics there. Uh, okay. And it allows them to kind of scratch the itch of teaching. So many of us that go into the profession, we like to teach as well, right? Where we're yeah. like, we want to talk about pain science with our clients. And oftentimes our clients maybe don't care, but who does care? Other clinicians or other just learners. So there are some, you know, B to C there that the consumer does want to learn, but oftentimes it's other other clinicians. And so yeah. now they can move into that and scratch that itch of, hey, I want to help, but I want to help the clinician. And I see how that could have a trickle down and also help more clients because these clinicians are not treat, teaching, excuse me, treating in this way. So the number one person I see doing that and that I really support is the clinician that's been in the game for a long time. And they're like, I don't want to step away fully. I want to cut my hours down to like 10 to 15, 10 to 15 hours. I'm pulling the practice back. Everyone's word of mouth. Like I have a wait list for a million years. I've been teaching, I've been doing this a lot. I have this following. I want to lean into it more. And it's just, so, it makes so much sense to do for the yeah. person that's like, I want to have both empires. I'm like, that is going to be extremely, extremely tough. And then there's other person that's like, I just want the time flexibility. I want the time freedom. I want to work remotely. And to that, if they're like brand new, I'm just like, dude, go be a traveling physical therapist then. Yeah. Like, go ahead and have it. I love that your focus is on experiences. I love that. But if you're, no matter what you're trying to grow, that thing is going to be the priority then. So if you're trying to build a brick and mortar, you can't be like, I want time flexibility and time freedom. Like you're growing a thing, you're growing a business. And if you're going to do the same thing online, like you're still growing a business. I think the only person that thinks that online business is easier is someone who's never actually yeah. run and started a successful, successful business. Cause they then understand like it's right. a business either way. It's going to take I think online's time. harder. I, mean, I do. Like, Danny, I do. It's I very do. hard. Like, the, the lifeblood of a business is going to be the clients and the customers. It is very hard to get customers online because you Way can't harder. just go have a zillion touch points with them initially. Like in person, you have that ability. I was talking to, yeah. to Sean Pastuch about it. And what was the phrase that he used? I can't remember the exact phrase, but basically like there's so much value in, even if you're working at a clinic, if that person has never come to you before, but they're in the clinic with you, they're seeing somebody else, they've still seen you. It's still yes. a point of contact there. There's still some sort of familiarity, some trust that's being built there. And so if they have to come onto your schedule, you have a little bit more buy-in, whatever. Online, it doesn't happen. You cannot just go pound the pavement and get in front of people and build these relationships and show your value, demonstrate value. It is a lot of playing the lottery and just pulling on the handle. Like, I'm trying again. I'm trying again. I'm trying again. So when people are like, I want to go into the online space, but they, they have like a, a brick and mortar that's like starting to gain some traction. I'm just like, what are you doing? Double down on this thing that is far more guaranteed that you can have more predictable uh, outcomes from your efforts that you can really utilize SEO that is, you know, has a, has geography tied into it as opposed yep. to like, I'm going to go on Instagram. I'm like, and this is from someone that I champion Instagram. I teach Instagram, but I'm like, yeah. that is not the play. It's not the play. It's just, it's, it's tough. It's because you're right. Like acquiring a customer, uh, any sort of new clients, on, in the digital space is it's not just harder because it's hard to reach them. It's harder to build trust. And so difficult. that is the thing that everybody is just like on their high alert, right? They're like, who is this? I don't mm -hmm. know. It takes a long time, <laughs> it, you know, and, and there's obviously ways that you can scale and people are really good at this stuff. Um, <clears throat> and, but it's hard. It's a whole nother skill. It's, it's harder to track. 
it's hard to fulfill. You know, it's just like you don't have that in-person touch point that allows allows you to be able to read somebody, to be able to make changes, to be able to, uh, you know, do the things that you've already learned how to do, especially if it comes down to treating a patient. Like yeah. even if you look at something as that would be pretty adjacent to that and fairly straightforward would be remote programming. Like let's say, let's say you're going to take somebody that uh, you're going to have to, you know, whatever they find you online, you do initial assessment or whatever via Zoom and whatever testing you're going to do and you build something out for them. Like the level of trust you can build somebody in that, in that platform, like the, the virtual side with great communication, all that versus somebody coming in, shaking your hand, Danny. sitting down, like, I, and I can just Danny. like, listen to you. We can, you know, like we can be in the same space. I can hear about the things that are bothering you. I can move, you know, your, your, your body around and see how things feel. I could, you know, touch that person Dad. and see like, what, like there's, it's such a different thing to do. And it's the reason why I think if somebody's going to go do their own thing, those it's 10 times more likely you're going to be able to make something like a, like a small cash practice work. Even if that's like, you're, if you're just looking at how do I exchange what I'm making working somewhere else to what I'm doing for myself yes. and at least have more time flexibility, uh, then that's way more likely to work. Maybe way it's not hard. what you want, but, I, but it's way easier. Yes. It's still hard. It's still freaking hard. And yes. online is just so much harder. It could take so much effort and you never can kind of turn it off. Otherwise you kind of don't exist anymore. That you're not relevant. You lost the touch points. Like it is not the, it is not the play that I push for people. It is. I do believe that the fastest and most successful way to build an online business is in person and you start in person and you yeah. build the the skills and you take the content that you're, that you're basically generating in person by having these people and you share it and then you give it as long as it takes. Like one of the toughest parts about online business is that it takes 30 seconds to learn about, yeah. but it takes 10 years to like get any kind of traction. And people are like, wait a minute, but I like did the things. And it's like, not everyone that plays this game gets to win. Like it's that, that is just how it is. So when I have the brick and mortar folks that come, come my way, I am the first to say like, where are we at? What is, why are you doing this? What makes the most sense? Like, okay, you want recurring revenue, then change your model. Don't go online. Like you want to have remote programming? Cool. Then do it with the people that came in person that you're graduating. Don't go oh, yeah. online and look for, like you already have a captive audience here. Double down on that. And then in the background, you have the bandwidth. All this is good. You want to be building this, this, you know, presence. Totally makes sense. And then you're like, cool, I want to pull back on this. I have a partner that's doing, that's taking over and like, I can, you know, do more of my own stuff. Cool. Then that makes sense. But otherwise I'm like, this is just, this is a bad business choice. Like, and yeah. why are you doing this? Because you think it's easier. And it's definitely a bad business choice because it's not easier. Well, even the, even the brick and mortar to digital, what makes so much sense about that. I mean, I did that accidentally, you know, like I literally, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> it's the sort of fell into helping people with, yeah. I mean, I think like in some ways, I am, I'm very glad that, that we, you know, obviously have gone the direction that we have, but, um, there's it's, it wasn't something that was like, oh, well, I want to totally. help people with their business. You know, it totally. just was, no, I want to, I want a successful practice. And we just would randomly start talking about it on the first podcast I had with the doc and jock podcast. And every time that I would talk about it, I would get a bunch of people that would email me or message me and ask me questions. And I just felt bad saying no. So, you know, I would take time to respond to it. And like, Ashley would be irritated because I'd be sitting on the couch while we're trying to watch a show. I'm like, I'm sorry, I got to respond to this person. Like they're yeah. business struggling. Fun too though. Yeah. I mean, but, but, 
but it was a, it was a, uh, it was just a, just like a, yeah, a hobby, totally. right? It's, I was helping other people. It was working, whatever. And then it started to turn into, you know, the beginnings of what we, what we do today. So I think that, you know, like you look at, okay, yeah. here's my business or, and then other clinicians are asking me about this thing. I love the idea of like, cause you know, we kept our business as a testing business for years. Like we didn't intentionally try to grow mm -hmm, our business mm -hmm. because what we use it for was testing all the stuff that we were then sharing with people in the mastermind. It was more valuable to me to test stuff at the detriment of my own employees. Like I had staff turnover because if you can imagine working for a place that was just like, we're testing this now, we're testing we're testing it. This now. <laughs> they're like, listen, I didn't sign up for this. This is a difficult place to work. And, you know, and partially was one of the reasons why we sold it too. Cause we're like, it deserves better than this. Yeah. It deserves somebody that's going to take this and they're going to, they're going to run Let's with it. This. And they're going to grow our, yeah. so our people can have more opportunities. But I do wonder sometimes that like, you know, I don't own a cash practice anymore. We sold it. We were able to actually build a business to a place where we could sell it, which we're very proud of. We work with hundreds, but like sometimes for me, I feel like that I, at this point now, I feel like mm -hmm. that, that, uh, professor that, you know, totally. doesn't actually treat patients and they're yeah. telling you about the updated research. And I'm always just so careful about not getting to the point where, you know, I don't have my finger on the pulse of what's going yeah. on because I'm not in the clinic anymore. I'm not running a business, that business day to day even though there's plenty of things that we see helping all these businesses every single day. But I think being able to have that clinic share what's working is a great, I mean, that's a great compliment. And maybe they get to a point where they just go straight into teaching, but I was very cautious about that. It probably took longer to sell our practice than I should have because I just wanted to be able to have like, I don't know if it's like the street cred of it or just the thing relevant though. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's super important. Like, you know, I, that's actually why I left rock tape was because I was like, I am not treating anymore. I have really stepped back and like, yeah. I, I stayed with treating so that I exactly for the same reason that you say it and you didn't you sell your practice. I was like, I gotta like make sure that this is not just theory. Like would yeah. I actually use this tool in this way? Cause like, I don't know if that's actually what I would do. Yeah. And then, you know, step back and then I'm like, I can't teach anymore. Also, like I was, you know, the company sold. I was ready to be done, but yeah. that was a part of it. Of like, I don't know if I like have my my finger on the pulse. Do you think that you're? Are you concerned that you'll hit a time where you're like, I want to have a practice again? To, um, I don't know. You know, I feel like if I if I start another practice, I I I would do it differently. I would. I mean, it's just we're a different place, right? Like we could yeah. we could. I would probably build something that looks more like, uh, like a training center, but it's mm -hmm. really, really more, um, geared towards, you know, helping people move better. And as the segue into that is really the treatment side of that with people and then getting them into more like small group stuff. I think that's a really great way to have accountability. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we do, and we do this with our, with our people, like with their businesses, right. Where we have we have accountability groups and we have coaches that are, that are leading that. And they, they have deliverables they have to show up every month with, and you know, you have this data for your business and you want to show what's going on. You, you want to show that you did what you say you're going to do. And you have these people that, that you respect as well as a, a coach that can, that can help. Um, and so it, it works really well. And I, in fitness and health in, in general, like, I think it works really well also just, just what I was telling you, I'm like, been you know, training my neighbor. Yeah. Uh, and like, I've really enjoyed that because I'm going to be there anyway. You know, he doesn't know anything about this stuff. I, I get like little things that I can teach him really help his life in a significant way. And I do see a lot of value in being able to help that. I also see a lot of value in being able to do that for free and not having to charge anybody for anything. Yeah. Right. So like, 
So for me, it's like fun. So I don't oh, know. Man. I don't know if we do that or not, because I also, I'm very cognizant. I don't want to compete with people that we help. Like, I just don't feel like that's yeah, fair. No. I don't think that I don't want to yeah. step on anybody's toes or whatever. Um, but, um, but I do, I do wonder sometimes though, about like, just not, not having our finger on the pulse of that, of the business you know, directly, but there's no way I can do it. There's no way that I could actually run a, a yeah. practice and do the things that we're doing now. And the trade-off for me is, uh, this, the ability to affect so many more people, you know, even, even, I don't even look at it from the business owner side. Like for me, the, I would say like the biggest thing was just like, how many people can we help? It's with, with like with Kelly stretch group, like teaching, it's the thing mm-hmm, that I really mm-hmm. gravitate towards. Yeah. It's like, oh man, I get to show, I get, to, I get 50 people today that are going to learn how to take care of themselves. And then at the end of the, you know, the end of the day, it's always just like, Hey, here's the deal. Your goal is to talk to somebody in your life and teach them yeah. some of this. Right. So it's like, what do yeah. you call that? The, uh, like a ripple effect passing it forward. Yeah. The ripple effect. Right. So it's yeah. like, okay, like, okay. Now we've got a hundred people. If everybody just does with one person. Well, we take these business owners and all of a sudden, like, you don't know shit about running a business, but you're a great clinician. So let's help you on that side. And in the last like 12 months, I think we've had like 65,000 new patients that have come through the businesses that we've helped. Just like, that's a a football stadium. Isn't that crazy? That's in a year. And, you know, so, and that's like, it's still a tiny, tiny amount, right? So we, we obviously are making a bigger impact. And I think that's amazing. That's, that's the most important thing for me. And the trade-off of the being more selfish with like wanting a brick and mortar business and still wanting to treat patients. Like I would still do all that stuff, but it, and I think overall it feels selfish in a lot of ways yeah. versus what we can help people with, can help, with, our, yeah. with our goals, you know? So anyway, that's the way I look at it is like, what's the impact, which one has the best, uh, for sure. uh leverage to it in, in yeah. a way. Where do you think we are with like the, the cash-based revolution renaissance? Have we peaked? We're still climbing. No, there's more every day. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, sometimes I wonder how many we can have um, effectively, but I think what's going to happen, and I had, I I mean, I get people that argue with me this, about this a lot where there's like, you know, we can't have this many private practices. And, you know, I, it's, I, I don't agree with that. I think that we can yeah. have a lot more than we have now, mainly because if anything, we're going to see big, groups that are consolidated that many of them are private equity owned or they're sold to hospitals. And then, you know, they're, they're getting these crazy reimbursement contracts that we can't touch. Like it's impossible. Even I feel what I feel really, who I feel bad for is the in-network provider that's small. Like if you're a small in-network provider, you're basically, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. And we have helped a lot of these in-network providers that are, there's no other choice. It's like, you need to understand how to add cash services to your practice. You're going out of business. You're seeing more and more people. You're making less money, and you're working harder. You know, and you know. So I think what'll happen is more and more of these small practices are going to focus on different niches. They're going to be very specific to those, uh, and and they're probably going to take market share more so from big orthopedic practices where people are going to go that don't don't really know uh, where they should go anywhere else. But the bigger issue and the thing that I see is like, if I had to guess, I would say maybe like ten percent of the population even knows what we do if we're lucky. So that means there's 90% of the population, whatever that is, like 300 million people that have no idea what we do. They have no, and they don't even know they have a problem. They don't know they have a problem that we can even help them with. So if we really look at it in terms of have we saturated a market, I think it's a massive market that is undereducated on like what we can actually help them with. And if, if we can even get another 10%, to understand what we do and that they have a problem that we can help them with. We just doubled the size of the industry, right? We just went from like $45 billion to 90 
you know, in a, in, in one, you know, 10%, uh, increase in the population, knowing that we can actually help them. So I think there's a lot of room for that. Uh, my hope is as more and more people move into, uh, their own businesses, they're obviously going to want to be advocates for themselves and for what they do. And that just adds advocacy to our entire profession, the right. And I think the right people, because there's a lot of trash providers in our profession, like they're probably not listening to this. If you're listening to this, you're <laughs> right. probably not a trash yeah. professor, but there's a lot of bad, like embarrassingly bad physical therapists or whatever your clinician, you know, background is you can be athletic trainer, massage therapist, oh. chiropractor, you get embarrassing people in all of them, but the good people, the people that are like, we, we call them human body consultants. It's like, you're helping somebody understand how to take care of their sleep, their, their, you know, nutrition, their movement, their stress management. And maybe you're not like, the subject matter expert for all of those, and, but you know, people who are, but you can give them the baseline information to start making these changes. And then they get this positive reinforcement of, whoa, I feel better. Whoa. That's, I can uh, like keep up with my kids or, whoa, look at, look at this. I can like do things I haven't been, done, been able to do for a while. Or I see my blood panels looking better. Now it's just, now I got you. Like I got you now. Mm-hmm. And now we get to go deeper and deeper and deeper and really move towards whatever their goals are. Uh, cause the truth is we're all going to be living longer. Like maybe right now that's not the case. Yeah. Our, our life expectancy is actually declining. It went down. Is, yeah. It yeah. Did. Which sucks. But if you look at a lot of the healthcare technology and some of the things that are happening with AI and some of these proactive screenings that they're even seeing, like MRIs, that can see if you have cancer for right now, the 2,500 bucks to get one of these MRIs, like dude, within 10 years, yeah. that's going to be way cheaper, yes. way better. And now we're going to catch things earlier. People are going to live longer. People are going to live longer. And it's like, do you want to just live longer and die the whole time and, you know, not, not actually <laughs> really yeah. enjoy it? Or do you want to, do you want to live longer and like get as much actually out of your live time as possible? So You're either dying longer or living longer. Like, what do you exactly. want? You have yeah. two choices there. I don't don't be dying do longer. Think? Like, don't I mean, how, how, how do you view, okay. So like you see it from a business side at this point, but like, I mean, I know you have a strong understanding of movement, by the way top two greatest clinical instructors I've ever had, Kelly Sturrett and you, My like God. no doubt, Appreciate one of the best, it. it's just, it is a travesty that you no longer <laughs> teach clinical education. It's great. But what do you see in terms of like those people that are, they're we're like movement-based providers that are really educating people effectively. Like, where do you feel like the biggest change that they can, they can help with? Cause I mean, it's obviously there's a lot of low hanging fruit. There's a lot of problems yeah. out there. I think that exactly what you said and kind of tying to what you do and the impact that you can have. And if you bring it back to the beginning of the episode where these clinicians just need to be able to stay in the game long enough to yeah. ha- to be able to advocate for the profession. And so having a cash-based, working for it, working in a place where they feel valued, whatever that is, is probably gonna be a cash-based place, but working in a, in a place where they feel valued, where they enjoy it, where they enjoy the, the demographic so they can actually stay in the game long enough to advocate because it's you just nailed it. Like, People are not problem aware. They're not solution aware either. I think they're, yeah. they're somewhat problem aware, but although sometimes I'm like, do you realize how bad you feel? Maybe you don't realize how bad you feel. I don't know. No. But like, they're definitely not solution aware, like from the business side of things. And PTs are not doing a great job with advocating for the profession because they don't have the time. They're like, you know, if you're in the traditional model, you're seeing a billion people, like you don't have the ability to do that. Nor do you necessarily have the ability to get the results for people that, you know, Kathy Sierra calls it word of obvious, where- Someone is so changed by something that their friends are like, what have you been doing? Whoa. It's not that that person is saying I've been doing this thing. It's their friends are asking them. You are just like, you're happy. You look stronger. You're whatever it is. Yeah. People, if people can't get those kind of results, 
then that marketing doesn't happen either. So I think you've nailed it that if we can create these facilities and these opportunities where we have these clinicians that are excited about it, that are passionate about it, that are really good at it, then yeah, we can start making people more solution aware. And I think that COVID was helpful for this because people started realizing like, yo, the traditional model sucks. And like, actually the stuff I've been told is wrong. I feel bad. I want to, I don't want this. I don't want to be a victim to things. I think it was actually very helpful. I agree. Um, I saw it with my neighbors. Like I I've seen it now with, uh, people, not just, I mean, tons of people that are at least were very much more health aware. Right. I mean, if, if you look at, if you look at legitimately, uh, you know, the, the indicators of whether you're going to really struggle with, you know, getting COVID and, and, and being able to be bounced back from that. A lot of it depended on where your health was to begin with. Go fucking figure. Like, mm-hmm. hey. you know, you're healthier. You're, and, and that's, and not to say there's not outliers because there are like yeah, my course, aunt, always. Dude, my aunt, my aunt was a very healthy person. Like she ended up in the hospital. She almost died. She was on, you know, uh, oxygen for weeks and she still isn't right. And she's a, I would say like, generally healthy person that was in her sixties. Um, and it just like really was very yeah. hard on her body. And, you know, but if you look at, take that as out, out as yeah, an exactly. outlier, it's like, no. okay. Yeah. If you're listen, man, if you literally have every metabolic issue possible and you get anything, uh, you're going to have, your body's going to have a hard time, you know, fending that off and, and surviving it because it's, already having a hard time keeping itself so, alive. You're uh, really hard on the system. Uh, and I think you're right. I think for a lot of people, it was scary for them. It was, you know, a flight to what can I do to be in a better position health-wise? Even the guy that I that I that I I'm working at working out with right now, he he's in wine sales and he was like during COVID, there was like a big jump in alcohol sales. Post COVID, it's actually become less popular. Like less people are drinking, especially younger people, which is really interesting, right? Where normally that's prime binge drinking. Yes, They're like, this is dumb. Why are we doing this? (laughs) I saw a meme and it was like, alcohol is boomer technology. (laughs) I I mean, yeah, like (laughs) it, it, I know, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know a ton of younger people, but like the ones that I do know, they don't really, um, they don't really drink the way yeah. that we used to. Like, I mean, just I just messed up, man. You like, can't do anything. You feel like shit. You do. But if you really think about it, it's like, oh my God, putting this poison. Is, you could die from this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, let's just, let's just take it to the edge. See what happens. Drink some poison. Let's There's go. lots of other ways to get a thrill besides, <laughs> you know, it's just like literally alcohol poisoning. But I mean, I think, I think you're right. And I, I think it's a good thing. I hope, I hope it is something that continues, uh, to, to go that route. Um, if nothing else, it scared people for a short term. And some people, that's what some they people did. Yeah. You know, some people like, did. Or, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they need more than that. But, but it, it's definitely, I've seen it in my own family. Like everyone in my family is more healthy because of it. Um, almost all of them are in healthcare, right? So they've all firsthand had to deal with a lot of the yeah. ramifications of it. But they see, for, they're like, okay, one plus one equals two. You know, you, you, uh, you treat yourself better, you're more likely to, survive pretty much anything, but also you're able to experience the world enjoy, around you. Exactly. Enjoy, yeah. actually enjoy life. That's it. Yes. Well, why don't we do this? I, I feel like I actually don't know how long this went, but this was I a lot know, of fun. Like, yeah. I really appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation it's with you. It's always so good, Danny. 
Well, I just think I like your perspective on the profession, number one, but also I think that, uh, you know, it's just fun to be able to talk to somebody like we could, really couldn't be much more different. Look right? at us. You know? Exactly. We just can't. I love that. Yet, but yet we have so much in common. Yes. And I think if anything, I hope people realize that, you know, it's just like, they have dude, to talk to somebody, you oh, know what I'm saying? Like have a conversation with somebody. Cause we may, I guarantee you there's points stuff we don't agree on, but even still, we're so open to listening to each other, yes. having a conversation. And I really, I just appreciate your perspective on anything, on all of the things we talked about, but also just being able to, you know, catch back up with somebody that I think is doing some cool stuff in the profession and, you know, be able to uh, spend a couple, I guess at this point, a couple hours, just having a conversation that's going to make my day better, right? It's going to make, hopefully anybody Energy listening to this, it makes it better. Yeah, that's right. For Don't sure. be a drain. <laughs> said, I heard that, I heard that the, uh, the, the Kelsey brothers podcast, they, uh, they had a coach that gave him a book. I think it was the energy bus. And, uh, they're like on the, on the megaphone, he'd yell at him. He's like, Kelsey, you're being a drain. <laughs> that, like be a, do it. be a fountain. <laughs> I tell my kids that all the time. Now I'm like, are you being a drain right now? Or are you being a fountain? Cause they'll just be like, you know, little poopy pants about something they need to do. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, you're being a drain right now. Stop. Like, be, pants. be a fountain. Right. And then they do the same thing to me. Cause I'll be, I'll be like, oh, I don't want to do this. They're like you're being a drain. Just go rake the leaves. Be a fountain. <laughs> Danny, what are you reading? I feel like you always have, uh, or listening to as you're saying. You know, I just picked up a book. Uh, this is a new book for me and it's Jimmy Carter. The book is called faith. I'm not, a. am not a, um, so every time I travel, I go to a bookstore. Normally what happens is I try to pick up a book for my kids or my wife, right? Well, okay. Ash, Ashley was with me. <laughs> so okay. she picked out a book for herself. Right. I forget the name of it. And I was walking around and I'm like, I don't know. And I saw this book and it's, it's, uh, it was very small. That's a prerequisite That's, for me. Yes. Danny. Yes. Yeah. It has to be a, a readable book yes. for me, which is tough. Uh, but Jimmy Carter, uh, they have the, the Carter center here in Atlanta. I, you know, I think he's just like such an interesting guy and I, uh, I picked the book up, but it's his view on, uh, on faith and, and I'm not a religious person by any means, no. not even close. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and no offense to anybody who is, it's just yeah. not the way that I'm wired, but I am a huge, you know, uh, believer in, in faith and just, I don't understand it very well either. Mm -hmm. So you know, for me, I found like, I like to kind of like read other people's perspectives on it. People that have really spent a lot more time thinking yeah. about it than me and then see if I kind of believe them or, or not believe them, but agree with their, their yeah. thought process and how they got there. Um, this has been a lot for me the, the last, I would say probably like 12 to 24 months where I've read a lot of different books that are kind of in the same, same line. So anyway, that's, that's what I'm reading right now. I just started, I can't really say one way or another, whether it's any, any good or not. Uh, but, um, I'm only maybe two chapters in, uh, into that one. What about oh. you? Huh, Danny? Did, ex uh, did you not expect that one? Did you know uh, a book on faith by Jimmy Carter? It's like I didn't, but it's still very on brand because it's you. And I'm like, yes, you know, Danny is going and learning and and feeling things out and taking what serves them and you know leave the rest. Uh, but oh, I do. I would have never guessed that for sure. Uh, I am not nearly the reader that you are. I usually can't get past like the first chapter, so I'm like, all right, I got it. This is this is this repeating oh, yeah. the same thing over and over again. Um, but Morgan Housel, his second book just dropped. What is it? I, it? I wrote his first uh, called same as ever. Video, yeah, but... it's called I think it's called same as ever or same as always something like that. And it's a different take on history in terms of looking at what things have stayed the same. Mm. Actually, I was going to ask you the question about the uh, that's where my question about PT industry and like what's kind of are we have we hit the, the top and where are we at? Because I also think it's really valuable to think about 
what things stay the same. And that's what that's largely what he's talking about is what stays the same. I will bet on those things. And just kind of as a reflection of of that. I think I'm like maybe, I don't know, two chapters in, but it's short. It's an audible book. He didn't read it though, which I was thought I was like, oh, how come you're not reading? I liked his first book. Yeah. I've been um I've been digging into like my family's uh sort of ancestry.com stuff. Yeah, I saw a little picture you had up the other day. That guy looked just like you. Look at this fucking guy. I was about to show you look at that. It was you. I was like that guy. That happy as could be on his wedding day. Look at that's in the that's in like 1895. All right. You think about think about like you talk about things that have stayed the same yeah. that we think are different. I guarantee you those two people, they're thinking about the same things mm-hmm. that they want, the same, you know, challenges and fears and all these other things. And yep. we're not that much different, you know, yep. than, than however many, you know, years ago that- you look back. I mean, it's, it's so simple. It's so similar. So I think that the, the premise of that book is interesting, but also to have perspective of that is so helpful, right? To, to just to, I think yes. if anything, I, it makes me feel better where it's like, this isn't a new problem. You know, the problems that we have are maybe slightly different, but they're still the same. Right. And, yes. these, and, and, and everybody kind of wants to move towards the same thing. Right. So I yep. don't know. It, I think having more of an understanding yep. of where you come from That's- sort of helps me understand like, that I'm not any different than they were, which makes you actually mm-hmm. feel better. Totally. I, that's, that is the feeling that when I, I brought this up as well, cause I saw the post that you did and I was like, this is exactly what Morgan house was talking about. Same, yeah. same uh, with that. And like talking about the future, but also talking about the things that have happened that are like catastrophic, that are monumental. You could have never predicted. And that's why, and he talks about risk. I think risk, the quote is like risk is what's left over when you think you've planned for everything something along the lines mm. of that. And it's just like, because you cannot plan for it. Otherwise this thing wouldn't happen like COVID. And it's like, yeah, didn't didn't plan for it because no one like and he talks about like the newspapers and and articles that were out like just a few months before it. And there was no mention of it. And he talks about um, with like the Great Depression uh, and looking at writings that came out and like even within a year of like it starting where like economists like didn't even see it and like weren't writing about it. And they're like, what's the the five biggest issues that we face and like the economy was not one of them it wow. was like it was i think i feel like faith or something like well like that was like actually one of them they were like five things and it was like mm-hmm. these things that you didn't prepare for that you couldn't see but there are also so many things that are exactly the same that stay the same and you know you said earlier about you know uh, when you're talking about kind of the businesses and and people we'll just say use the term praying on other people like that has stayed the same and as long as there's opportunities oh, yeah. to be had and like these things to be made and greed like that stays the same. You can bet on those things. You can count on those things. And yes, we are experiencing very, very similar things and we're in the past as well. So I'm excited to, to finish that and see, cause it's also short, but yeah, I'll take a look at that. that. That sounds, that's how I'm into stuff like that. Like I just, uh, I just like learning about all kinds of random things, that's- you know, like my favorite thing to do if I'm, if I'm on a flight is I go to the documentary section and I just watch the weirdest documentaries. I love it, Tim. I literally will watch just like the strangest. I'll watch anything. I watch a documentary called The Compassionate Spy. And it, I mean, I can't say, I don't necessarily agree with, with what this guy did, but he basically was on the Manhattan Project and he just leaked, uh, he leaked how we were making uh, the igniter for the for the atom bomb to the Soviet Union uh, at the time. And his whole process was like, well, if we're the only ones that have it, it could lead to more destruction than if there's like, uh, multiple countries that, and it's sort of a check yeah. for the other one. 
And it just was like such an interesting time that he was talking about, yeah. like, you know, during the, what they were thinking and his wife and, and all this stuff. And the fun, the ironic part is like his brother is actually uh, a rocket scientist that built the technology to be able to shoot these from like, not have to be dropped by a plane. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just a fascinating story, yeah. so like, but I'll watch a documentary on anything, anything. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, oh man, what's this about? Like, what were these people thinking? And like, I mean, it, anyway, I, I go off, off on a tangent about it, but I just think that it's so, it's so important you. to try it's to like, so you. well, just like, I think it's like, why can't it. you just, you got to learn it. Don't, don't just like learn about one thing. I mean, I get it. It's like, it's cool to go deep, but I think learning and exposing yourself to other people and their, their thought processes and like, maybe you could watch something that's complete opposite of that and see which mm -hmm. one you agree with, but at least expose yourself to something that forces you to think differently about, you know, what your view is. Cause we all have lenses that we see the world through for sure. All of us, for we sure. all have different, you know, things that we're biased by, uh, things that are past experiences, sure. but also most of us never check that because it's hard. It's not cool. It doesn't we feel realize good. Like, Oh, am I being a dick? <laughs> like I just thought that's the way I was. Or like my parents, I used to have a really bad temper. And that may be hard to believe really? because I seem like a really nice guy. Yes. But it's like my, my family was like, oh, we're hot blooded. We're, we're Italians. That's what we, what we did. This is what we find out. I'm doing all this genealogy stuff. My fucking great grandfather killed somebody in a, in a, uh, a poker game and he was in jail for most oh. of his life <laughs> in Italy. And then he got out and moved to the U S not, not the guy in that picture. That's the other one. What? But the other guy, Luigi, he like, that's what happened. Like he has a criminal record of a significant one from poker. And, yeah. Damn. And then my parents are like, oh, we're Italian. We're hot blooded. It's like, no, that's not the reason. <laughs> Pump the brakes. That's a byproduct. No one's ever solved this for generations. Let's fix it now. <laughs> Stop killing people. <laughs> it's a bad idea. <laughs> I love it. Anyway. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's wrap it up before people. Uh, yes. Stop listening to us. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time. Thank today. you, I Danny. Really appreciate it. Hopefully you guys enjoy this one with uh, Shantae and I. And, uh, you know, as always, thank you uh, so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next week.